farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. If you've been affected by fire or crime on your farm, you might want to be at Willow Farm Dog Dyke next week. What we're doing is having information and talks and there'll be kit there that will help protect farmers' property and also give them advice about steps to take. Details in a minute and thus linking farmers with the consumers and possibly farm workers of tomorrow via video sound like a good idea? Farmer time could be your thing then. They have a series of video calls every two or three weeks for 10 to 15 minutes based on what the class are learning in their lessons at that particular point in time, but illustrating it with the background of kind of food farming and rural life. Andrew Ward tries some pre-prototype kit for crop farmers and Sean Sparling has some more important agronomy advice. Crop, livestock and grain market reports and the weather all to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. Unfortunately, following tests at a commercial premises in the Ancaster area, there are now confirmed positive cases of avian flu in Lincolnshire. Anyone who keeps birds commercially or at home is advised to take measures to reduce the risk of the disease spreading. Trading standards teams will be undertaking foot patrols in the area and if you've got any worries or would like some advice about avian flu, contact APHA on 0345 9 That's 03459 Now, I hope you haven't, but if you have been affected by fire or crime on the farm or just want to try and prevent it, there's a crucial seminar next week. Lincolnshire County Organiser for the NFU, Rhonda Thompson, is here to tell us all about it. Yes, we have, Steve. It's on Wednesday, the 26th of October, from 11 o'clock in the morning to 3 p.m., And we've been working very closely with Lincolnshire Police and Lincolnshire Fire Services. And what we're doing is having information, some talks, and there'll be kit there that will help protect farmers' property and also give them advice about steps to take to help them. Because, as you know, Lincolnshire is such a huge county. We have real issues with rural crime and farm properties are very often targeted. I mean, things have got better with the rural crime prevention team, but yeah, as you say, it's still a big county. There's still a lot of easy places for criminals to hide. And this isn't just this event, just about crime, though, is it? We're talking fire prevention as well. Yes, it is. And you're quite right. Things have improved dramatically since we've got the RCAT team in the county, and we're delighted that we were able to help get that to come. With regards to fire, as you know, we've had lots of fires this summer because of the weather, and we've also are still subject to sometimes some sort of arson attacks on hay and straw that farmers have got stacked. So this is about security and also about prevention from a point of view of stacking where you're placing that that hay or straw. Things like that, really. It's just tips and advice. And also we have got some companies there that have got kit that will help. We've got the police there. We've got the fire services there and they will be there on hand to give advice and also talk about our new uh, initiative with the adapter that connects to water bowsers and tankers so that farmers are able to help fire services in the event of an incident. Okay, who else have you got there exhibiting and speaking? I'll just give you a a few examples. We've got uh, Lincoln Security. We've got a company called ATV Track. Smart Water, Data Tag. We've also got uh, somebody from Tillypath talking about the latest regulations regarding trailer use and the Crime Reduction Advisor from Lynx Police 
and someone from Safer Together and somebody from a company called Right Action in Scunthorpe. Now they do uh, something called a premise box. These are somewhere that uh, fire services often use at properties because it's got a plan of where everything is on that uh, particular property or block of flats, etc. And we're exploring looking at that um, for, for the farming community. Okay, some very interesting people there and some very relevant topics too. Where is this being held, Rhonda? It's at Willow Farm and that's Dog Dyke and the postcode is LN44UY. But we do really want people to register for this before the 22nd of the month because I am putting on a light lunch and we want to make sure that we've got enough food for people but also that we don't take more than we we would really like to be there. And that's Wednesday, 26th of October, Willow Farm, Dog Dyke, Lincolnshire, LN44UY. Rhonda, thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the shout-out, Steve. Thank you. If you want to go or would like more information, email east.midlands at nfu.org.uk or call 01572 824 250. Do kids still think their tea comes shrink-wrapped from the supermarket? Sadly, in some cases, yes. Is there a hunger for better education? Are kids interested in farming and food production? Definitely yes. Farmer Time links schools and farmers together, and Tom Martin is the man behind the project. Good morning then, Tom. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about Farmer Time. And first, give us a brief description. What is Farmer Time? Farmer Time is a project uh, we started about six years ago. We pair farmers and classrooms. So each farmer in the UK gets their own class and each class gets their own farmer and they have a series of video calls every two or three weeks for 10 to 15 minutes based on what the class are learning in their lessons at that particular point in time but illustrating it with the background of kind of food farming and rural life so the teacher will text or, or send an email to the farmer saying that we're studying at the moment we're studying uh, genetics or weather or soil or worms or pollinators or whatever it might be and the farmer just puts himself somewhere appropriate on the farm and we have a some great conversations and these are live calls so the farmers on like a big screen in the classroom that's right yeah it's um and it's been fantastic i think the children get so much out of it not only is it, uh, are they kind of learning without realizing they're learning but for me as a farmer the benefit is that they actually know a farmer it's not just they've seen a farmer but they actually know a farmer and and the thrill of, of a live farmer answering their question in person is uh, you know it, you know it's fantastic and it means that in years to come if they hear things about British farmers, and we do, I hear all sorts of things about British farmers, they'll be able to say, hang on a minute, I know Farmer Tom or Farmer Steve or whoever it might be. That doesn't sound like the kind of thing that might happen on their farm. So they're able to really, really get under the skin of British farming and to, uh, and to know a farmer. And to remember that not only are they, you know, the children we're speaking to, the consumers of tomorrow, I mean, obviously they're the pester power of today, so they, everything they hear goes back to the parents, but they're also our workforce of tomorrow. And farming, you know, we need the brightest and best because we've got some, some big, big uh, challenges ahead of us to produce food sustainably and uh, in tune with the environment. So it's a great window into, into the reality of our industry, not just the stereotype of farming. Yeah. And what kind of farms are we talking about? Or is it open to any farm, really, regardless of what you might be producing? We have every type of farm from fish farming through to fungus. I mean, <laughs> animal farmers, dairy farmers, livestock farmers, uh, you know, and we have them in, in all four home nations uh, in every single county. So um, it, it is any farmer, large or small, whatever they're up to, um, there, are, there are illustrations. And, you know, sometimes someone will say to me, well, I'm only a dairy farmer. All I do, you know, I bring the cows and milk the cows and, and let them out again. But there's so much more than that because, of course, we look after the environment uh, and we have soil 
you know, we have worms and we have pollinators and so many of the things that we have that we think are, are pretty straightforward are in the curriculum and it's important that we're illustrated. I, I used to deal with um, said, oh, I don't think there's anything we can cover at the moment because we're currently on the topic of genetics. And I said, everything we do in farming is about genetics. So every farmer will be able to talk about genetics because they can talk about varieties of plants or uh, characteristic traits in, in animals. Interestingly, you pair up farmers and schools in different locations. Why is that? Yeah, well, there's a couple of elements there. I mean, there's a little bit of a safeguarding thing that we just have to tick off. But um, uh, really, the, the overwhelming feedback we've had from our schools has been the kind of scientific uh, habit of comparing and contrasting is so important. And so the school I, I've been paired with or had been paired with for six years, they're down on the south coast. I'm up in uh, the Cambridgeshire, Lincolnshire border. Uh, I've got relatively heavy clay soils. They're on lovely free-draining, um, light, chalky soils. So we talk about what's the difference in weather? What can you see out the window? What does your soil look like versus mine? And so actually it's the, the importance of comparing and contrasting is so important. And the, and the schools are kind of overwhelmingly fed back on, on the value of that. Is there any cost involved in this other than setting up equipment and so on? At no cost whatsoever. So we've got some fantastic sponsors. We have Stratton Parker, G, Sainsbury's. Uh, and Hutchinson's, they basically make sure that there's no cost to the teacher and no cost to the farmer. Where can we go for more information about Farmertime then, Tom? Farmertime.org has all the information I think you'll need, and then you can also sign up there as well, whether you're a farmer or a teacher. All right, Tom. Tom Martin from Farmertime, thanks ever so much for your time on the farming programme this morning. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. It's a busy time in the fields just now. When isn't it? And that's where we go now for a crop report and some timely agronomy advice with independent crop consultant Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. Yeah, all hands to the pump, isn't it? A flurry of activity out here. Drop of rain last week, continuing warm days, and that means the drills can hold back no more, and we're off. It's very, very interesting, though, all joking apart. The blackgrass, as I said last week, apparently has low levels of dormancy in the seed burden as a result of that warm summer, amongst other things. So the drop of rain that we've seen over the last two or three weeks, should, you would have thought, wetted up these stale seed beds sufficiently to encourage that blackgrass to flush. But in many, many situations, the black grass hasn't actually appeared until in the last few days actually um, and now in the stale seed beds and indeed the all seed rape fields which are romping away by the way at the moment and unfortunately some of the earlier drilled wheat fields which went into some questionable black grass land that black grass is really only just beginning to think about poking through now we keep talking about how the first two, three weeks of October is key for blackgrass emergence, and that's bearing out clearly this year, although I think the next couple of weeks is going to be more significant. We were starting actually to wonder on some farms if it was actually ever going to come at all, wondering if the summer and the heat of the summer had done it some damage, but no, it's just a little bit later coming through. So this next 10 to 14 days, as I say, could see an awful lot of blackgrass emerging by the look of it. Now that's why you need to ensure you've got the most effective pre-embrew lined up for the fields in question. Plenty of product choice, although there are a few supply issues with pendimethylin, as we all know. Hopefully that will soon be rectified though. And utilise and tailor these pre-ems to suit the severity of the site. We've got flufenacet, DFF, pendimethylin, metribuzin, ethfumosate, trilate, aclonifen, methylene. Plenty to choose from. Cost them out to spend the right amount at the right site then, rather than just blanket bombing everything with the most expensive thing and spend more than you need to. So speak to your advisor, work field by field, and get these products on within 48 hours of drilling and they're going to do their best. But that 48 hours is very, very important. And of course, put them on carefully and evenly with as much care as you would your flag leaf fungicide. 
application is pretty much just as important as the product choice itself. They're expensive product, they're your last line of defence if we're honest. So if you get your pre-em choice or the application wrong, you'll be staring down the barrels of black grass all the way through till harvest next year. Don't forget about slugs either, particularly after all seed rate, particularly on the rough cloddier seedbeds. The slugs have increased in activity since that rain, so do be alert. We need alerts. Some of the wheat that drilled in the first three weeks of September has now reached that 170 growing day degrees since it's emerged so if you're finding bird cherry oat or grain or rose grain aphids all of whom carry barley yellow dwarf virus if you're finding them at threshold and it's not a BYDV tolerant variety like wolverine or grouse for example then you may need to look at treating to control them but only if the aphids are present at threshold there are plenty of spiders and other little predators out here to help out for the time being. Oilseed rate, we're starting to see colonies of mealy cabbage aphid in some fields, plenty of them as well in some places. And it's not a pest we see in such huge numbers very often in the autumn. And where the plants are smaller or backwards or you've re-drilled and there's a big infestation, they can quite happily kill plants and they can also carry and transmit virus too. It's very unusual, as I say, for such big numbers in the autumn. But with conditions such as they are, mild and relatively benign, these pests might need a little squirt of pyrethroid, particularly if they're damaging big areas of plants. So a pyrethroid, which is approved for aphid control, should give you some control control of mealy cabbage aphid. The biggest issue with mealy cabbage aphid is this waxy coat and this habit of clumping together three or four deep. So a wetter put in with that pyrethroid should help. Speak to your advisor, you need a wetter which will help penetrate that waxy coating. Still, very, very little disease though out here in the oilseed rope. Conditioned perfect for light leaf spot though, so do keep your eyes open. Winter oats going in now as well. Very limited weed control options post them. So even more crucial to get your stale seed beds to do their job and start clean with some glyphosate. Good seed bed conditions as well. A nice, fine, firm seed bed. Get these at winter oats established quickly and up and away. There is an emu for liberator if you have grass weed issues, but should you really be putting winter oats into fields that have got grass weed issues probably not lower doses of liberator are much kinder to winter oats too but and they'll do medigrass and broadleaf weeds at those lower rates plus you've got dff on an emu too just be careful emus are all at your own risk of course when you're using them winter beans going into plenty early enough for me really they do far better when you put them in in late october into november if you get them in too soon and get them up too soon the frosts and the winter kill issues begin to arise and you don't want to lose too many the best thing is to drill them deep if you're going to go and drill them this early that way you're going to help delay the emergence very important as well to get the pre-ems on to winter beans timed well because post-em options are so limited to say the least you're aiming between 18 and 25 plants a square meter established that's your aim so with thousand grain weights varying so massively again this year just work out your seed rate before you go drilling. 1,000 seed weight multiplied by target plant population divided by percentage germination multiplied by 100 plus field losses. Curb, propizomide products, of course, where blackgrass is an issue. If you do drill now, it's very unlikely you're going to get the most out of propizomide in these warm conditions. And as it has to be on within seven days of drilling, as per the label, it's going to be pretty much too warm to get the best out of propizomide. But you pay your money, you take your choice, you make your decision there are of course plenty of other pre-ems you can use pendimethylin prosulfocarb clomazone so tailor the mix according to the weed burden so plenty going on still warm now moist still sunny let's see what the next seven days bring thanks as ever sean the- 
Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Now, we always like to hear about new stuff, techniques, research, technology. German manufacturer Amazon has sent some pre-prototype kit to the UK for testing. It's a straw harrow and low disturbance cultivator. Andrew Ward was one of the select few who got to have a play, so I went to have a look. So with Lincolnshire farmer Andrew Ward in the yard and you've been playing with toys again, haven't you, <laughs> like you do? Yes, that's right, um, yeah. Just talk us through what we've, we've got. Conventional tractor at the front, we've got some rollers, and then what? So on the back of the tractor it is this machine that the one we, we try is 12 metres wide. You operate it at about 16 to 18 kilometres an hour, so really fast. And it's got three different type of working elements. At the very back, you've definitely got finger tines, probably 18, 20 inches long, spaced about six inches apart. And they're predominantly to spread the straw uh, and the chaff from the combine. But then in front of that, you've got two rollers, two different elements where you could have different configurations. So the front roller might be an, uh, what we call a knife roller, and that would just be to chop cover crops or, or weeds. And to, if it's a soil soft, you could actually sort of get into the soil half an inch. And then behind that is another roller, and you could have something different. You could have wavy discs on it. You could have a spiked roller, if you like, that, that digs into the soil a little bit. And the idea is that we were trying different elements in this machine. E each section was only three metres wide. So it came with us. Amazon had put two different rollers on one three-metre section. Then the next three-metre section, they were swapped round. Then the next three-metre section, there was two different types of rollers. And then the last three-metre section, there was only one roller. They'd missed the front one off. We got one roller and then the, the finger tines at the back. So a lot of different elements just to try. And is the, the big advantage of this that you can juggle around the different settings and, and the different mm. structures of what you've got behind the tractor? Yeah, I, I think that's it. And I think, obviously, like everything now, it depends on soil type. If we've got very light sandy soils, such as we have on Lincolnshire Heath, then you might need different elements in it. But I think it, it's really useful that you can actually swap the elements round and, and it's not a big job to actually have some different rollers for the different soil types. So you'd have a spare set for your heavy soils or your light soils and, and within half an hour you could change it round. Is this aimed at replacing something that's already out there or is it a brand new idea? I think it's a bit of both really because there are one or two machines starting to get out there on a sort of an idea similar to this because we need to move less soil, uh, we need to look at the amount of chemistry that we're using and so there are some machines like this getting about but I don't know anything that's quite got this sort of configuration of different options if you like throughout the machine and I think it's just Amazon trying to get, get out there if you like and be one of the first to get a machine on the market. So you've had this kit for a few days, it's been trialled elsewhere, how did the trials go for you? I thought it was a, a good machine, but for our own situation, it didn't quite go deep enough for what we're trying to do. We stood next to a different Amazon machine, the, the Catros, that's got a bit heavy duty disc. You can see they're more aggressive. And this is the sort of thing we're looking at the minute. So instead of just going half an inch deep like that machine did, we're looking at probably going maybe two to three inches deep. But I think if you're growing cover crops, definitely it's a machine to look for without a doubt um, because it chops up the cover crops. And I think if you're trying to spread straw, you direct drilling and you only want to move the top half an inch I think it's a brilliant machine there's no doubt about it and some of the features that they show me within the machine about the settings and how you can alter the depth I thought were just absolutely fantastic I've never seen them before all right Andrew thank you great thanks Steve time for the weekly market reports now firstly livestock from Louth auctioneer Oliver Chapman morning Oliver 
Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth, Monday the 10th of October. Unfortunately, no prime cattle this week, as many of the vendors would have been shut down after Friday's sale by the six-day standstill. However, today's sale also included the herd dispersal on behalf of AB and MJ Motley of Covenham St Mary, which saw cows and calves top at £1,550, in-calf cows top at £1,290, and breeding bulls top at £1,250. Cool cows from the same good home saw 16 all in average 144.96 pence per kilo, and top at 185 pence per kilo and gross 1,328 pounds. That wraps the cattle up and moving on to the sheep, and starting with the prime lambs, which are 172 across the scales to SQQ at 277.13 pence per kilo, with an all in average of 267.95 pence per kilo, which will make of the dearest market this week. Lambs top both pence per kilo and pounds per head for George and Carol Allison of Thorsway at 332 pence per kilo or 138 pounds per head for some 41 kilo Beltex lambs. Moving on to the cool ewes, similar number, dearer trade with very, very few feeding ewes in amongst the averages this week. All in average 133 pounds and 32 pence, again making us the dearest market this week. Use top for F.W. Robertson Sons of Rutan at £184. Finally, store lambs are just a handful on offer, all of which, it must be said, will long keep lambs and won't be ready till the back end of next February or March. Topping were M. Fleet Chapman across from near Newark at £84 to leave an all-in average of £62.69. A huge thank you to everyone that's been in supported this week, both buyers and vendors. A quick reminder, prime cattle and cool cattle and prime and cool sheep are needed for tomorrow's sale. And also Friday the 21st of October is our second special autumn suckle calf, store cattle and breeding cattle sale. Sale to start at 12 o'clock with 220 plus store cattle and breeding cattle already entered and entry still open. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver. Gray now with the latest Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Good morning Steve. Another USDA report is now behind us, which was perceived as neutral, with global ending stocks of wheat and maize down 1 to 3 million metric tonnes respectively. And, is normal nowadays, the report contained its fair share of anomalies. The US production was lowered on a combination of harvest area and yield, which was largely offset by reductions in domestic usage and exports. US maize opening stocks were reduced in line with September stocks report whilst the yield was also reduced by a marginal 0.6 bushels an acre, which offset by large cuts in ethanol usage and exports as they juggled the numbers to suit the narrative. The drought affected Argentine and wheat crop, which was lowered by 1.5 million metric tonnes, with some trade sources below that figure. They have also been unconfirmed reports that the government may impose export restrictions to protect domestic supplies and combat inflation. The USDA left the Russian wheat production and exports unchanged when the trade expected an increase. Maybe they know something the trade doesn't. However, to compensate for this, they left the Indian wheat crop and exports unchanged, both of which are overstated, with talk that India may not be the silver bullet to solve the world food shortage problems it purported to be, and they may need to import some later in the season. Looking at barley this week, the USDA raised the world barley production figure from 2022 harvest by 1.3 million metric tonnes. There was little surprise on that. One million tonnes of that came from Europe and the UK accounted for approximately 700,000, most of which was spring barley. So the supply side of barley is weighing heavily on the market. We could continue to play our part in exporting this barley surplus with boats of Laureate being loaded in Poole and Planet in Sharpness this week. With most drilling completed in the south, malting barley growers are turning their attention again to selling barley. However, 
New export sales are difficult pre-Christmas. UK maltsters are already covered until the new year, with brewers covered nearly until new crop. So all we can do for October, November and December is buy the existing sales. Oil seed rate this week, the market remains volatile with pressure coming from crude oil and general weakness earlier in the week from the USDA report, which offered support to Chicago soybeans on Wednesday. Domestic rapeseed buyers have increased their bids, keen to secure spot supplies, but overall they were unsuccessful due to the lack of sellers as they hold out for better levels. U.S. soybean futures jumped to a two-week high on Wednesday after the USDA unexpectedly cut its soybean harvest forecast and raised imports by top soya buyer China. Analysts unexpectedly dropped in demand for soybeans but was totally offset by the surprise in drop in production. However, the price gains were held in check by the expectation of a potential record-breaking Brazilian production next spring, which will complete the U.S. shipments in the global marketplace. Looking at wheat this week, November 265 to 273, February 268 to 280, and May 271 to 283. Looking forward to November 2023, new crop 256 to 266. Milling wheat premiums are currently 50 to 55 pounds. Feed barley, November 240 to 250, February 242 to 252, and May 245 to 255. Malting barley premiums are circa £30. And oilseed rate pre-Christmas, October 525 to 530, and November, December 530 to 535. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A mostly dry start to the week, although there is rain forecast overnight into Monday. Southwesterly winds in the mid-teens MPH gusting tonight, highs around 14. Calm on Tuesday, mostly dry with a high of 17. Then the winds start to pick up a little and turn easterly on Wednesday when it cools down a couple of degrees. And then there is heavy rain likely for Thursday and Friday. Well, that's it for this week and for the next three weeks for me. I'm away on holiday, leaving you in the capable hands of Andy Marsh. So until next week's Farming Programme with Andy, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.